Welcome to Mood Readers, a book review podcast where three friends conquer their TBR list, eventually. Hello, Mood Readers. Welcome, everyone. We are so excited to be back together to record another episode. This is Nora here with my friends Emily and Jane. Hello. (laughs) <laughs> Jane just groans. <laughs> yeah, it was that audible. <laughs> it's I mean. been it's been a week. It's been mm-hmm. uh, I won't say a good week, but you know what? It has been a good week for it has been a good week for bringing attention to trans rights. So this week, if any of you have been on Instagram, this will be posted in a couple of weeks. But right now, currently, it has been the Trans Rights Readathon. And so this idea was conceptualized by author Sim Kern, and they proposed this idea in response to hundreds of anti-trans bills currently circulating in state legislatures around the country. So yep. what yep. is... The Trans Rights Readathon. What is it? Well, it is encouraging you to read as many books by trans authors and centering trans narratives as possible and raise money for the trans organization of your choice. So we are here to encourage you to read more trans books. And we are so excited that we have some recommendations, whether or not we have read them, we have studied up about them. So we are excited because Trans Rights Week is not just one week. It should be every day, every day, every week of the year. Every day. We, sh- we just want to encourage you to read more because reading is awesome and supporting trans rights also is. So, all right, yeah. Jane. Uplifting, uplifting their voices. Basically, anything that's taking rights away from some eventually will take rights away from all. Like, that's as right. cisgendered women, we're, we're, we've been on the chopping block. They start with trans. It trickles down. Like, they're coming for the rest of us. So It's all bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> Buckle up. So Unless you're a white man. <laughs> None of us were lucky enough to uh, be born uh, hateful white men. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or unhateful white men, but you still know, with a leg up in society. It's cool. Um, yes, yeah, so we're recording this in, during the Trans Rights Readathon, which I fully support. Um, I could not personally support by reading because my full-time job is terrible and busy, and I worked 11 hours today, so reading has Ooh. just not been yep. possible. Yep. But the moment I'm liberated from my capitalistic um, <laughs> overlord, <laughs> our capital overlords. <laughs> And I have the freedom. Um, I'm, I'm happy to make a reading and uplifting voices my full-time job. But until that happens, I was really excited about this because some of these I've had on my TBR list and much like, you know, Black History Month should be, we should be reading works by Black authors all at all months. times. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The same way with trans voices, we need to be working them into what we read just so we can get like an understanding of each other as human beings. 
things. And I find that really important. And I know you guys do too. And if you're yeah. listening, I bet you do too. So anyways, these are the ones that I was thinking about. Um, I'm moving up on my TBR cycle. I have not read any of these, but I'm excited to read them. The first is Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki. What a beautiful title. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful title. It's a beautiful cover. And essentially, this is, it's described as good omens meets the long way to a small angry planet. So it's, we're melding. I love good omens. So we're just melding like two really great titles. And it's essentially, um, the character makes a deal with the devil to escape damnation. She must entice seven other violin prodigies to trade their souls for success. Ooh, that sounds so cool. Yeah, it's straight up my alley. I'm really excited to read it. And like I said, cool title. So that one is definitely like in my reservoir of books I would already read. The next one I have is World Running Down by Al Hess. This one, the premise is a transgender salvager on the outskirts of a dystopian Utah, gets the chance to earn the ultimate score and maybe even a dash of romance. There's no such thing as a free lunch. So this is like a dystopian story arc science fiction. These are all like well within my wheelhouse of the types of books that I personally love to read. Very cool. Next, I have four. So bear with me. I was really excited about these. So next, wow, I've got Overachiever. <laughs> listen. Yeah. It's what makes me good at my job and what makes my job terrible is my <laughs> need to go above and beyond. <laughs> and next, another amazing cover. This is a horror book. It's Hell Followed With Us by Andrew Joseph White. Another amazing title. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Love that. And an amazing cover. This is 16-year-old trans boy Benji is on the run from the cult that raised him. The fundamentalist sect that unleashed Armageddon and decimated the world's population. Oh Oh my God. Desperately, he searches for a place where the cult can't get their hands on him, or more importantly, on the bioweapon they infected him with. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm already scared. He runs and he seeks shelter among um, a ragtag group of queer teens. And so like that whole concept, I'm very excited about. And then the last one is The Honeys, which I have on my bookshelf currently by Ryan Lasala. And this is a gender fluid character, sort of like, it reminds me of like the Heathers kind of, or he described it as like, he references Jennifer's body. But basically, it's another, it's a YA horror and Mars has always been the lesser twin to his sister Caroline. But when Caroline dies under horrific circumstances, Mars is propelled to learn all he can about his once inseparable sister who'd grown tragically distant. So he goes to prestigious Aspen Conservancy Summer Academy and sort of starts to unravel the mystery of like what was going on with her. And I think there's like a little flickish group called the Honeys and, you know, horror ensues. So man, those are the four that like I immediately was like, all right, let's do it. Let's bump you up and get you to the top of the list. Very cool. All of those sound very interesting. I know. I'm glad we did this so I can add more. Okay, so I have two, not four. (laughs) So my first one is straight, some, I mean, just like pure, absolutely something I would totally just pick up and read. It is called The Sun Bear Trials by Aiden Thomas. And, and you it, can pick it up and read it out of my library. I sure <laughs> can. 
Perfect. And it is a YA fantasy. So there are all these different like gods and goddesses. There's a really cool sounding magic system. We've got demigods. There are like sacrifices that need to be made. And I gotta love it. So yeah, all of love that. it. All of it. Uh, once again, beautiful cover. Mm. Yes. And it's a beautiful cover. So each year the sun must be replenished so that soul can keep traveling along the sky and keep evil obsidian gods at bay. So these teens compete in a series of challenges to see who is like the best. And then I believe the best gets sacrificed. And I think that's just like something these teens have got to work out. But the main character is the trans son of the goddess of birds. And so I think all these teens like come together to figure out what's going on. But just like basically magic, really cool magic systems. You know, like, I love it when they have, like, arena-style, like, challenges yeah. and stuff. Like, I love I love that kind of stuff. And then, of course, anything that's, like, any kind of, like, myths and legends added in there. I love that. So, the next one I have is called Heart, Haunt, and Havoc by Freydis Moon. And Ooh. it is a romance... And like a romance horror. Like I'm getting big horror vibes from this. Oh, man. So it says that it is laced with romance. Like you guys are going to be, you guys are going to go download it on KU like immediately after I yeah. say this next part. Laced with romance, gothic imagery, uh, Catholic mysticism, uh, diasporia, and horror. So we have our transgender exorcist, Colin. He's going to this haunted house. The owner is handsome and non-binary. And basically, he's going there to try to help exorcise all the ghosties and demons out of this house. And it ends up like ends up being, you know, bit off a little more than they can chew. And it's just kind of, I think they fall in love and um, stressful secret, times, man. Secrets are found out. And I just feel like I just have this type when it comes to like creepy gothic houses and just things like it is a clear instant download for me. Oh, creepy house romance. Sure. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> Subscribe. Right. <laughs> So that's it for me. That sounds amazing. Okay. Well, unlike you two, you know, a grabbers or whatever, I only have one title because I found <laughs> it and I thought that was the assignment. I thought it was like, here's the book I recommend, but it's cool. I found this title and was so <laughs> excited about it that I was like, oh my God, I'm done. I got it because this title. So I also have not read it yet. I like Jane. I am in a major reading slump. I... Have read. I am too. What's oh going on? Oh my god! Yes, it's, it's because you're read too much. Oh, I was gonna say I was gonna blame it on also the stars. Also that so I was gonna we'll say blame it's it the, on the triple stars. Aries placement. Listen, Welcome I read. I read right. I read my twenty eighth book last Friday, and I have not been able to keep my eyes on one page since then. Like yeah, I'm done. I, think I've, so. I think I've just read too much. I don't think I'm affected by the triple Aries, whatever is happening. I think <laughs> I've just read too many books lately and I'm just kind of like, meh. Yeah. So I, it's just, it's too much. My brain is overwhelmed. So I'm looking, I'm in my comfort food zone. I've been rewatching The Nanny. 
Like, I um, need two ever since you mentioned that you were watching. <gasps> yes, <TV. laughs> my favorite. Shout out uh, to my friend's HBO Max account. Yes, that I access. I don't pay for my own. <laughs> yeah, you're one so... of those. Mm-hmm. You're gonna ruin HBO Max just like you ruined Netflix. I, I, I didn't share I don't Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I don't. That's not your fault. That's capitalism's fault. It's fine. Uh, no. So I found this title and it is the perfect, it was described as the perfect comfort food, delightful. H-E-A apparently stands for happily ever after yeah, trans romance. See, I learned that recently. <laughs> so, you know, there's going to be one listener who is listening to us and she's like, I don't know what H-E-A is. Oh, okay. Like, that's great. I'm with you, girl. So, Yeah. So this is what I was looking for. I found it and I was like, oh, that's perfect for me. Okay, I'm really excited about this one. It is called A Lady for a Duke by Alexis Hall. And I'm going to tell you, yeah, I'm going to tell you that I am taking my review. The the review of this book that sold me really hard is from one of my favorite, my all-time favorite book review websites, foreveryoungadult.com. Mostly they focus on young adult titles, but this book is part of their adult romance series. The FYA's Grown-Up Guide to Romance Novels. So this is an adult book. It is not for teenagers. And I'm super excited. First of all, it's a historical Regency era romance. Love it. What is amazing right off the bat about this book is that it, it, like if you glance at it, it's kind of a standard, you know, Regency romance cover. There's a couple embracing. She's wearing a beautiful yellow dress. She kind of looks like Belle. He's wearing like a blue waistcoat. But actually, they actually used a model who is trans for both versions of this cover so if you look at it on amazon i love that it is stunning is beautiful it is evocative and major props for that here's the deal with this book it's about viola viola carol has spent the last two and a half years since she was rescued from certain death at the battle of waterloo becoming her authentic self So her only regret when she left behind her formerly privileged life, like all that, she left all that behind. Her only regret is that she left behind her childhood best friend, the Duke of Gracewood. And she kind of let him assume that she died in battle. And then she reinvented herself. Yeah, whoops. And then (laughs) she, but you know, she had to because she has reinvented herself she is living her authentic her authentic life her authentic identity and you know he was kind of a casualty of that so now she's masquerading as a simple lady's companion for her sister-in-law lady marley just to kind of stay close to her family but through her sister-in-law she gets like she reads a letter and she realizes that grace wood her former best friend is like seriously depressed he is declining he is really upset that his best friend died in the battle of waterloo or so he thinks yeah okay so viola's like i i have to do something about this she maneuvers her way to see gracewood again as viola carroll it says in the description that she did not she was not prepared for how wonderful it would feel to see Gracewood again, especially standing in front of him as a woman. But it will take all of her bravery to be honest with him. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, so in the review, 
we're talking like if you are looking for a trans love story where the impetus of the story is not the transition and where every and this was really important for me where everyone is really supportive like if you would love just a happy comfort food romance starring a character who is trans this is it. It's sort of like, you know, the trope, but this is probably several years ago at this point, but where it was like, I would love to read a novel about a black character that is not dealing with slavery or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, now this not is dealing, at this point. Not dealing with right. black trauma. Just yeah. living their authentic lives. Black joy. Black joy, mm-hmm. live it. Like, so this, this is what this is. This is a beautiful, this is described as a beautiful, happy, adorable spicy romance between viola and gracewood it's not about the bummers and honestly it sounds so charming and fun i cannot wait to read it that sounds so good yeah so it's a it's a lady for a duke by alexis hall and it is available on kindle Uh, not kindle unlimited but just regular kindle and as a paperback Now that we have all of our, we have like, what, how many now? So we have eight books added to our TBR. Oh, man, I only added one. (laughs) This sucks. Jeez, Jane. I have the largest TBR out of all of us. Listen, I have so many (laughs) books I want to read. This is why we're doing this, so that I can force myself to read them. (laughs) Maybe we'll get uh, rejuvenated after this and want to read all of the books the whole or at least pile. or at least like one that would be great yeah my goal is to read one of the four <laughs> that i was interested in in a somewhat timely manner yes that's all that's all really that we can ask my library holds have already they've already expired but i am not giving them back until i am mentally ready to do so <laughs> which is not yet not so, yet we'll see how that goes Okay, so now let's talk about what we have read. Because we have been reading at least a little bit lately. Well, and I read something really good. So I think that's like part of my um, slumpity slump is, you know, Uh, you read something really good and then you're like, mm -hmm. what could follow that? Nothing. I'm going to watch Love Island. (laughs) (laughs) You know, follow that? Nothing. (laughs) I read my, I'm actually reviewing, I think it's my, I think it's my last five star read. So I read Ray Bear by Jordan Ifueko. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm sorry. Feel free to correct me, mood readers. I'm up for correction at any time. It was wonderful. I did a buddy read with some fellow bookstagrammers. And hang on. So- whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. You're reading with other people? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're reading with other book club friends? I am. Than us? Mm-hmm. I, oh my God. Jane, let's we go quit. find somebody else to read with. <laughs> <laughs> this is some bullshit. Fine, continue. It's cool. <laughs> so, I did a buddy read, which is basically when you read the same book at the same time. I feel like that it would not be beneficial to what we're trying to do here, guys. So I think it's fine. I'm, I'm fine. Sure I'm in do. the clear. It's cool. This is Ray Bear, and it is a YA fantasy. So here's our little Goodreads blurb, because I think it's good. Our main character, Terry Sai, has always longed for the warmth of a family. She was raised in isolation by the mysterious, often absent mother known as the Lady. The Lady sends her to the capital of the global empire of Aritsar to compete with other children to be chosen as one of the Crown Prince's Council of Eleven. 
If she's picked, she'll be joined with the other council members through the ray, a bond deeper than blood. That closeness is irresistible to Terry Sai, who has always wanted to belong somewhere. But the lady has other ideas, including a magical wish that Terry Sai is compelled to obey. Kill the crown prince once she gains his trust. Oh, Terry Sai won't stand by and become someone's pawn. But is she strong enough to choose a different path for herself? So this book was just so stinking cool. I, I mean, um, I was pro kill the crown prince until it's like after she gains his trust. And that's where I think I'd have a hard time. Yeah. Like, I, I'll, I'll just kill anybody ahead of time. <laughs> but like, not after getting to know them. Yeah. So she had to get to know him. And then like, she had no idea that she is supposed to kill him up until like a certain point. And then something clicks. And it's like, Oh, gosh, I have to kill my BFF, that kind of thing. So very, very cool. This is based on some West African myths and legends, like some of the magic in the systems, but where some authors have chosen to kind of stay within the realm and just completely vibe off of those myths and legends. She straight up created her a new world within all of these these legends that were there. This book is very cool because there's a lot, there's some F the patriarchy moments, which, you know, we, we, yep, we love, live it. So ray bearers are born with the ray. It's like the king or the prince, um, the emperor is born with the ray. And it's only men that are born with the ray or so we think that is what has been told to us our whole lives in this book. So there's that, there's the magic, there's also like these real life themes which is which I love in why fantasies and just fantasies like this. So we've got the theme of like leadership and especially the patriarchal leadership and the tendency for them to rationalize these very very bad ideas that lead to really really bad outcomes. But it's okay because I'm the man and it's always been this way. And you know, what, what could go wrong? What am I saying? This is just how it's always been. What an exhaustingly familiar. Right. Mm-hmm. Plot. <laughs> so as the story goes on, it's just, there's so much adventure and for like the world building is so good that there wasn't at any time that I like got bored and was like, okay, Like, when are we going to get to, like, something actually happening? I read this book so fast, and I don't feel like I usually devour YA fantasies like this. I mean, it's, it's like a rare one. It's not. There are other books that I've read that have taken me a lot longer, and I was expecting this to be similar. Like, I was, I was creeping up on a book slump, and then I was like, okay, well, I signed up to do this reading thing with these people. With your other friends. Your real friends. With my other friends. That I would never... That I've never met before in real Interesting life. Interesting that you read a book about betrayal of best friends. <laughs> Isn't it? One thing, cool thing about this book is that the Ray. Okay, so let's say, because I'm a Leo, we're just going to say that I'm the Ray bearer. And so I have 11 Rays. Each Ray is a ghost to a person. And as I gather all my 11 rays, I get to be immortal. So nothing can hurt me. So let's say that Jane is one of my rays. And now that I can no longer be killed by like a sword. Let's say Emily is one of my rays. Now I can no longer be killed by poison. 
And so each ray oh. that, you, that you get, and it's like this really deep connection where you can like mind speak, you get sick if you're not with one of your ray, there's like ray sickness or something, or you're literally sick if you're not in the, in the presence of somebody who also has a ray or the ray bearer. It was just very, very cool how they added all this different stuff in there just having a moment where like I was like the idea of having like 11 people close by is <laughs> agree but that concept is really interesting just like where yes. I am in life like yeah I people. would absolutely not want that in real life but for these other people like good for you that's it awesome sounds great yeah. Sounds for the great. for the YA crowd, oh. that sounds great. You want as many people there supporting you as possible. We're sure, you over need the hill. <laughs> so that's what I've been reading. I would highly recommend it to anybody who loves YA fantasy. It was great. I love that. Yeah, and it's it's another one with a cool cover. I'm yes. a broken record this episode, but. <laughs> I'm also, like I said before, a raven for, like, cool covers. I'm just like, ooh, something shiny, something, shiny. like, pretty, <laughs> bright colors. One, I'm there. And that one is quite shiny. Ooh. Emily, what have you been reading? Okay. Well, I've been keeping my reading to my actual friends in my actual <laughs> book club. But, you know, I'll be looking to branch out shortly. I read... Something that I have been waiting for for a very long time. It's been out for a while, but I finally got my grimy little hands on it. The Last Tale of the Flower Bride by Rashani Chakshi. If you check it out, I don't have it with me. I had to take it back to the library. But the cover is stunning. It's beautiful. It's exactly, it's what made me want to read this book. We are who we are. We like fancy covers <laughs> just like the shiny it's so beautiful okay so this is an adult fantasy slash mystery it's kind of a gothic mystery but even though it's adult it is layered with themes from young adult books so if you're kind of on the fence as to like i don't know if i want to deal with real world problems but also i don't know if i'm completely ready to submerge myself in my teenage years this book was a great compromise. First of all, Roshani Chokshi's writing is incredibly like mesmerizing and rich and it just completely sucks you in. So you have a lot of suspension of disbelief in this one. So basically it's from the point of view of a man who is like fairy tale researcher. He's a professor and he's always very dreamy and kind of swept away in fairy tales and like the concepts and things like that. And then he marries this incredibly full mysterious woman named Indigo Maxwell Castaneda. So he's a scholar of myths and legends and she's an heiress to an incredible fortune. They exchange gifts and stories and then they do it on a balcony and they believe <laughs> they will live happily ever after. And in exchange for her love, and this is when the stories about fairy tales get mixed in with a story that is a fairy tale. It gets real weird. Ooh. In exchange for her love, Indigo, the real person, extracts a promise from her husband that her bridegroom will never pry into her past. I okay, love so, it. Yeah. So Indigo gets married to her husband. Honestly, sorry, I can't remember if they ever say his name. I think they do. Unimportant. Remember. It was a while ago. Those husbands, you know, they're unimportant. He, he's, yeah, a husband. he's a man. He's a man. It's all good. And uh, But he's great. He's Mr. POV. And, you know, so they're married for like three-ish years. And they love each other. He's obsessed with her. It's probably a little unhealthy. 
But like, there's always something that she is not sharing with him. There is something she is holding back. Every now and then he'll find a little piece of her history and she'll get real upset. And she's like, I told you to never pry. And so finally he's like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) And then one day Indigo gets a call and finds out that her estranged aunt is dying. And so they have to return to Indigo's childhood home, a grand palatial house in the Pacific Northwest called the House of Dreams. So they go back. Indigo has never liked to talk about her aunt. The only thing that the husband knows is that they are they don't talk and it's not okay to ask about the aunt. So they go and the house is like this incredible gothic, like steeped in magic, beautiful mansion that just like thrums with like ghosts and energy and everybody like the housekeeper, the maid, everybody just takes for granted that the house is like, you know, sentient. And the house, like, he walks in, and the house slams the door behind him, and the maid is like, oh, it likes you. And he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, oh, it shut the door so you would stay. (laughs) (laughs) So those are the vibes. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, but it's so entrancing, and, like, it's fascinating, and he knows that something is up, but it's so beautiful. And then we start getting intermingled POV chapters with Indigo's mysteriously missing childhood best friend, Azure. Azure is the person that Indigo's husband could never ask about. He's not allowed to talk about her. Uh, Apparently, Indigo and Azure grew up together and shared their childhood dreams and all that good crap. And then one day she was never heard from again. And we're not allowed to talk about it. So when the POV chapters for Azor start showing up, you're like, oh my God, this is it. We're going to find out what's going on. So this is the part where I said, like, you've got YA overtones. The story from the husband's perspective is very adult. But the story from Azor's perspective is from ages like 11 to 18. So every time you go back and forth between the POVs, Azor and Indigo are a little bit older. And you watch their obsessive, like, weirdly symbiotic relationship grow as they grow. Mm. And they are steeped in, like, fairy tales and myths and legends. They're, they're those people that live in the real world, but one foot is in the fairy realm, you know? Like, yeah. it gets to a point where you don't know, is the magic real or are they just believing in it so hard that they're making these things manifest? Like... You don't know. You don't find out until the end. Really, it's never super duper solved. And then we find out that there's this huge mystery. Like, where did she go? What happened? And then something crazy happens to the aunt. And you're like, who did that to her? Maybe Indigo is not all that she seems. It's wild. It's wild. The writing is beautiful and lush and evocative and dreamy. And I was reading... I say this every time, but it's totally true. I was reading this at work, and (laughs) I would emerge from my office to, like, use the restroom or whatever, and uh, somebody would ask me something, and I'd be like, what? Oh, right. Yeah. Real world. Okay. Uh, What was I doing? What's my job again? I don't know. Like, that's what kind of, like, cocoon Rashani Chokshi sweeps you into, and it's gorgeous. Very cool. 
I love the books where when I'm done or interrupted, I have to work to get back into my own reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was extremely invasive into my psyche. I couldn't stop thinking about it. The ending was really good. Like, uh, it, and it also anytime there is a book with a YA like storyline, that makes reminds you of some way of feeling or some kind of relationship that you forgot you even knew. And then you're like, oh my God, yeah, I did have an obsessive, weird middle school friendship that was really important to me at the time. God, I haven't thought about her in years. Like that feeling of being 14, mm-hmm. you know, is brought back to you with such clarity that it's it's a really intense experience reading the book and like being swept back to those times. So yeah, it's a good one. It's a weird one. It's also very short. It's totally readable within a day, even if you're not reading at work like I am. Like <laughs> it's a quickie, but man, it is so good. It is an experience. I highly recommend. Check out The Last Tale of the Flower Bride by Rashani Chakshi. I cannot wait to read that one. I have that one. Like, it's in the postal service on its way to me. So I'm <laughs> so good. excited. Uh, that's, a, that's one that should live on your shelf for a while. That's good. All right, Jane. We're about to go down an alley we haven't been down before in this episode so far. So <laughs> Yeah, it's all been fun and games up until now. <laughs> Leave yeah. the fairy tales behind. <laughs> That's what I'm scared. <laughs> glad, glad everyone's been living in such a great headspace because I'm about to knock you on your ass with reality. <laughs> in my review of the memoir, which was my mood wheel pick, Educated by Tara Westover. Hell yeah. And as I think we established, but we'll remind listeners, Emily has read it before. Yep. And Nora had read like a chapter or two, then put it down, never picked it back up. Fair. Read like 25%. So I've I've been, I read some stuff. Do I remember it? Mm, Not really. (laughs) Don't worry, I got you. Oh my God, she's got a notebook. (laughs) She does. (laughs) I took notes. I'm going to become like the statistic person on this podcast. (laughs) I like that. Perfect. So I entitled the first section of my notes, The Horror, because I was (laughs) in the midst of reading this and I was like, this book is mine, Jane Austen's real life horror story. Like (laughs) Tara Westover, this is her memoir. She grew up in an extreme fundamentalist sect of Mormonism in Idaho. So the book sort of opens with her first sort of memory of her dad being like, the government's going to get us. We all, we need to prepare and be self-sustaining. And he he's talking about an incident that happened that has caused him to have this like extreme paranoia against the government and needing to be prepared with firearms food in case they come and they lay them under siege. They need to, you know, be prepared to withstand anything. And as we find out what that incident is later, it's Ruby Ridge. So if anyone is familiar with that, that's how we're opening the book is with the incident at Ruby Ridge. You're not familiar with that, but you're familiar with Waco. It's right in the same veining. So it's the government overstepping, gutting down people, and it's very blurred lines, government overreach, but also people were murdered, but also things weren't good. And and do your own research and come to your own conclusions. But that's what's starting this. 
The horror, though, <laughs> comes later, and it is all centered around the fact that growing up, because her dad was anti-big government, he was also anti-medicine, um, mm. the medical establishment. Good start. Anti-doctors. <laughs> Yay! Oh, jeez. <laughs> And I only listed what happens in the first half of the book because I'm going to try to hook the rest of y'all. <laughs> Everyone needs to read this. It was wild. So let's start. Terrible. Okay. There's let's dive in. in. <laughs> let's dive in. And I'm skipping minor stuff like fingers getting chopped off. And okay. So I remember and that. cut to the bone. I forgot I about that. that. Maybe I blocked it out. It wasn't Tara herself. It was okay. other people okay. that preferred it. Okay. okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, I do remember that. Okay. I definitely blocked it out. The first major thing that um, caused me to label this a horror story <laughs> was one of Tara's brothers was driving them on a 12-hour trip in silence overnight from Arizona back up to Idaho. He falls asleep at the wheel. They don't believe in seatbelts, so no one's wearing them. He crosses an interstate into a ditch, rams, it, rams into a power line. Her dad ends up outside of the car somehow, so I can only assume he's been thrown out of the car. Since they hit a power pole, there's lines on the car, so they all wake up. They're all battered. The mom is horribly battered. They don't go to the hospital. Like, someone's like, we're going to call an ambulance, like a farmer in a field, and they're like, no. They end up, like, going home. Mm -hmm. Oh, jeez. The mom... It's all coming back to me now. Yeah. <laughs> the mom ends up having what they describe as raccoon eyes. Like she has circular oh, yeah. bruising around her mm -hmm. eyes, which Tara later finds out is a symptom of a traumatic brain injury. Yay. And, um, and they, they, the mom goes to rest and recuperate in their basement with no lights and no sound because she's having horrible migraines. And oh, God. after months, she is able to start coming upstairs for a period Ugh. of time and eventually recovers that was Awful. stage one and oh God. welcome her, her brother who was like 16 lives forever with the guilt of him falling asleep Aww. at the wheel that night oh so. i forgot about that because he's a nice one uh-huh and it's like oh honey it's not your fault i think that's about as far as i got in the book maybe Probably. i do remember i do remember that now well, see if you remember this next one, because these are sort of in order. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, here we go. Tara is 11 years old, and her dad's uh, some sons have gone off to do their own thing and get married or whatever. And her dad's like, you need to work for the family business, which is scrapping scrap metal. So no profession. <laughs> she's working, and her dad just flings scrap metal. So, like, he hits her and stuff. She gets injured. But the, the main bullet point on here is one day she's working the scrap metal. He's got like a loader with a bin full of scrap metal. And he's like, you're going to need to get in the dumpster bin when it's done and like stomp it all down, I guess. Like trash, but it's metal. So I don't, metal. I don't understand how that works. So she's like, okay. And he's like, go ahead and get on this loader with this bin of the scrap metal and I'll just lift you up and you'll dump it. And I guess... In my brain, she's going to, like, hang on while it dumps the bin of scrap metal, and then she'll jump from the loader into the dumpster bin full of metal. That is somewhat of the plan. But as she's sitting on, like, the loader, as he's lifting it up, a piece of, like, metal moves. It impales her leg, and then she can't move. So he's starting to, like, 
tip this thing and she's in danger of sliding into the dumpster bin Ugh. and then getting covered with and the metal he's dropping in. So she opts, she in a split second decides that the best course of action for her to do, since she's impaled with the leg with this thing and can't like maneuver to a better position, is to just release herself from the loader before she gets dumped in and covered in scrap metal. So she like forces herself to fall off early and she hits the side of the dumpster bin on the way down on her back and she lays on the ground stunned. So she's like uh, hit her back, horribly oh bruised, and has a piece of metal impaled in her leg. Eleven. Oh I do God. I do remember that part. Thank you for bringing this back to me. Yeah, it's all coming back. This is great. We love this. Let's see if you remember this next bit of horror. Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) One of her brothers, she's like quit scrapping for a while. Her mom has become a midwife and she deals in like herbal medicine. So Mm -hmm. she spends a lot of time like doing herbs and essential oils and stuff with her mom. So... One of her other brothers, Tara's one of seven children, I believe. I didn't find that important compared to the rest of this. <laughs> one of her other brothers is still happy, helping the dad, and they're, like, getting rid of the fuel tanks on the scrap cars in the yard. And one thing what leads to another, something mm-hmm. happens, and uh, someone, like, lights up a cutting torch Well, they haven't necessarily siphoned out all of the fuel, so one of the fuel tanks in a car explodes. Her brother's leg catches on fire sometimes. Somehow he gets from, like, up here where the scrapping is down to the house, and he's, like, horribly burned on his leg. And Tara runs out to help him, and she doesn't know what to do, so she grabs a garbage can and fills it with water. And then for a split second, her brain is like germs. And your open wound of a completely burned, like, skinless leg Mm -hmm. of their skin. But, like, it's horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. And so she puts his leg inside a garbage bag and then puts the whole thing in the garbage can. Once again, no one goes to the hospital. No. Nothing. There's no medicine. They don't believe in Tylenol, ibuprofen, nothing. Like, he... So they give them like some sort of concoction for pain that never works. And so he just suffers through like his whole left leg being burned and it Mm. being wrapped in a garbage bag and put in a trash can in water outside. And while he's just standing there with his leg in a trash can, they like have to put like a hat over his head and stuff. So he doesn't get sunburned. (laughs) Passage of time. I that's worried about that. (laughs) You guys, you guys can't see me. I've read this book. I vividly remember the scene. I still have my wrist pressed against my mouth in horror so I don't just, like, start openly weeping. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jane. Isn't this the moment where her fa- Tara's father, like, he's out in the field with his sons when this occurs and this explosion happens and he looks down and his son is covered in fire and he has this moment where he's like, well... If I let it, if I take him back to the house, the whole field is going to catch on fire. Yeah, that was the danger. It had been like a dry summer. So like him so for a get, second, he's no, like, I think no one is unsure how he got to the house. Like if he ran there on his own or what. So and their memories are a little spotty. She reached out to siblings and no one had a very clear recollection on exactly how this came to be. And of course, the brother with the leg on fire didn't really remember. Right, right, right. But yeah. it, it's sort of <laughs> postulized that like maybe he got himself 
down to the house, but, like, he's setting shit on fire because he's on fire. And so, like, the dad stays behind to, like, make sure the whole mountain doesn't go up in flames. Yeah. And it's this, like, it's just horrific the way she describes it. Like, the calculating look on his face where he's like, mm. well, maybe I should just sacrifice my son for to take one for the team because, you know, the mountain oh. is important. And oh. you're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's vividly etched in my memory from when I read this 2018. Next up, oh next. boy! Next this. up, we have the second Dan wreck, and in this one, this is a bad one. New Dan, they've removed the seats, so there's a driver's seat and a passenger seat. Sure. They've removed the rest of the seats, and they just put like a queen size mattress in the back. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean you know. Once again, they're driving from Arizona back to Idaho, and once again in the middle of the night. Perfect. And the grand the grandparents who were in Arizona were like, "You're not doing this again, right?" And they're like, "No, we are." Goes oh, off no, the road. This is, I feel like this is familiar because you talked about the grandparents. Go ahead. That's sorry. who they were. That's who they were seeing in the first car wreck. So if you were there in the first oh, car wreck, okay. it's the exact same situation. So they're driving back. This time it's snowing, and oh, they're driving cool. through. Like basically, kind of, they get to a point where there's a whiteout, and the brother who's driving is like. We need to pull over and, like, pause. And the dad's like, no, how dare you, you whip. So they switch places, and the dad rubs them up to, like, 60 or whatever. Oh and the next God. thing Tara knows, Tara and her sister, I think, and her mom are laying on the mattress behind <laughs> the driver's seat, goes black. She wakes up, she's buried under the mattress because the van has flipped upside down. And oh she's all alone because her family couldn't find her. Um, so they're like in a field calling like they think she's been thrown from the van, but she was just underneath the mattress on the ceiling oh, of the van. Unconscious. But like a day or two later, she describes, yeah, she was unconscious for a little bit. She describes her neck freezes. Like it gets to a Ooh. point where she can't turn her neck because she sustained some injury yeah. in this wreck. And it she's like that for like a month until one of her brothers comes home. And then without her knowing anything, comes up behind her and, like, chiropractors her neck. But he has oh. no training. So he, he looks like, no. so badly. He, yes, it could have gone horribly. And uh, it, it does end up working. She's able to, like, turn her head and see again. But, oh, like, God. horrifying. Go to the fucking doctor. Yeah, that's crazy. The brother that snaps her neck later on. He falls off of a pallet at a construction site. He falls headfirst on a concrete wall that's in the middle of being built. So it has jutting out rebar. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Exposed rebar. And they postulate that it was about 15 minutes where he just sort of, they like propped him against the, once he like hit the wall and then hit the ground they just uh needed to keep working so they like <gasps> prop him up and they postulate it was about 15 minutes before someone calls 911 no one knows he ends up like getting shipped to a hospital oh good oh they do there was a memory where he sits for 15 minutes and then he gets up and he's sort of like raging out because he just uh fell on his head on a concrete wall from a, a height and yeah. the dad and the brothers have to tackle him to the ground to suppress him and he hits oh. his head again oh my goes, god goes to the hospital um and by the time like tara goes there like barely hanging on to life oh my this gosh 
same brother in the next incident he they're at another set of grandparents in town and he's like hey let's go home join me on this motorcycle and yes, she's like this is what i remember oh she's God. like no i gotta take my car back home i'll follow oh. you she's following behind she turns a corner cars are pulled over someone's on the ground it's her brother he turned a corner in the dark on his motorcycle he hit a cow she runs over to him he has knocked a hole in his head and his oh, brain hole. is exposed. A literal hole in his head. Is exposed. And this is the moment where she, like, she gets him in the car because they don't believe in medicine and another, like, member of the, like, extremist group is there and he's like, we'll take him to your parents' house. And she's like, yeah. okay, great. Gets him in the car, starts to drive. She's like, I saw his fucking brain. Turns around, drives him to the hospital instead. And she counts that as, like, the moment where she first, like, betrayed her family to the medical establishment. When she took her brother and his exposed brain to the hospital. (laughs) That was the moment where she felt like she first betrayed her family. She saved his life. What were they going to do? Take some saran wrap and just, like, wrap it around? And their oils. Yeah, oh, exposed brain stuff. Oh my God. some sage in there, man. No, I. That's the one that I remember the most vividly because it was like she had all these examples of like her parents proving time and again that their beliefs were more important than their mm-hmm. children's physical well-being. And when it came down to her decision, she didn't even. I mean, she was like, I can see his fucking brains. We're going to the hospital. And even with no sort of like formal education or anything, like there mm-hmm. wasn't really a TV, like they had no access to the internet. She never went to public school. She's still like, she she saw his brain and knew that that was like not something. That's bad. That should be handled. <laughs> so <laughs> the, oil, the oils will not fix <laughs> The duct tape is not the answer. <laughs> So those are the major horrific incidents that get you about halfway to the book. Part two starts with her going to college. I'm not going to go too deep into the rest of the stuff because I like to sensationalize and hook you and be like, this is why you need to read it. But I I do just want to touch on the fact that one of the reflections I had while reading this is she goes to college. She's attending public education for the first time. She's Mm -hmm. at BYU. They're more understanding of, like, her background, where she comes from. So it was a good school for her to start with. Um, But she's in this, like, Western Civ class, which wasn't even a history class. It was, like, an art art of Western civilization. And Mm -hmm. she she kept talking about these black hole words. Like, she'd be reading, and a word would just have absolutely no meaning. So they're looking at a picture on the projection screen she like raises her hand she's like what does this word mean i understand everything except this and everyone like the room stills and everyone looks at her and they're just like and the professor's like that's not a funny joke and then the girl that she sat next to and sort of chatted with like never sits next to her again she later comes to find out that that word is the word holocaust and that was the (gasps) moment where i was like she you take yeah. For such granted, the things that we learned by being in public education from yep. like yeah. pre-K through the end. Like when I realized that she had never seen and didn't know and had no implication or meaning behind the word Holocaust is really where I was like, 
oh my gosh, the things she missed out on. Yeah. It was, it yeah. was making me reflect, like, um, I worked at a university for a while and there was a lot of talk centered around, like, first-generation college students, one of which my husband is part of that first generation and how they require like more more support when trying to go to college because since their parents never went to college they don't know things like how to fill out a FAFSA and mm-hmm. you know how to apply for grants and apply for scholarships and you know sign up for classes and living on your own like all of these things that their parents didn't experience couldn't help without them out with and now they're doing this alone so there's a lot of talk around that and Tara is in a position that is beyond that. Yeah. Um, it's like she, her parents were 1800s pioneers and now she's yeah. going to college. Like she's like negative three generations, first generation college student. Yeah. I mean, she's like a couple of years into her undergraduate before she has ibuprofen for the first time. And it's because she has a dead tooth that's causing her migraines and she can't eat and she can't like sleep. It's, that's wild. That's so horrific. This is like real life Kimmy Schmidt or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Except is. not cheerful and delightful. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> and just another thing I wanted to touch on, and I was kind of curious about this, like as she's going through like different events and highlights that are happening in the real world, um, she does eventually confirm that she and I were both born in the same year. So... What? The thing, so when she talks about how she first experienced 9-11, and that was the first time she ever saw the Twin Towers, and she didn't know what was going on, and her dad starts talking about the Illuminati and all that stuff, like, when she's experiencing 9-11 and I'm experiencing 9-11 is at the same time, but it's, we're so removed from each yeah. other, and we're both in, in the United States, like, mm-hmm. we're, we're both here in America, but she's living, it, it's like a foreign country, like, yes. her a way of life and upbringing and knowledge and mine theoretically should be on the same path, but we're mm-hmm. so far removed. And so that was like fascinating once I realized that and confirmed that. Like I, I would say that the part, like the horror part was very compelling, <laughs> but the part where like, once you get through that and then the transition into the real world was the most compelling. Cause you're like, how is this going to work? How is she going to survive this? But you know she has to because she wrote the damn book. But like, right. yeah. how did we get here? And it's just so fascinating. And like, and then her struggle uh, of at the more she learns with how she's rectifying what she's learning with how she was brought up and how how to make those two worlds and like what world does she fit in? It was wild. It was so good. It was a five star read. It like everyone should read it. It doesn't like memoirs are boring. Absolutely not. Yep, Educated man. was like that's the one. I couldn't stop. It was a compulsive read. Yeah, yeah, that's so. awesome. Oh, that's one of my first. Uh, that's one of my first workday, all day reads, where I just <laughs> read it at my desk, and nobody started, was ever the wiser. It got you started. started. <laughs> you started, and you're like, "Oh, fundamentalist Mormon religion. Yeah, I can we handle can, this. This is fine." We personally have been doing a lot of talking about <laughs> that on this podcast recently. Um, this went above and beyond in just abject horror for it, me. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. I honestly, and I, and I read The Shattered last week and like, or last time, and it was horrible. But this one, from a child perspective, just like those moments when she shows you, uh, when her parents show her 
over and over that her well-being just doesn't quite matter enough yeah. to them. Uh, it's just you can't look away. Like, it's just this horrific train wreck. Mm-hmm. And then she has to dig her way out. And you're like, how is this even possible? Ooh. Yeah, I I want to read it again for the, like, how did she get out? That's why I want to keep, go back to it. I still don't kind of, like, understand. Like, mm-hmm. the, fact, the <laughs> fact that she, and she and two others of her siblings, there's three of the seven that have doctorates. Like, oh, wow. And they had no formal education going up, growing up. She had to teach herself, like, trigonometry to be able to take the ACT. Wow. I forgot about that. Man, they've got us beat. It is one of those books that I remember when, like, when I'm lecturing my daughter. I'm a very popular mother. When I'm lecturing <laughs> my daughter on the privilege of being able to go to school and how there are girls in other countries who are literally shot in the head because they just want to go to school. There are girls in our country who are like set on fire or paled <laughs> by scraps of metal because they just want to mm-hmm. learn trigonometry so bad. Like Idaho, I don't. Idaho, man, real. it's not. It's not part of our country. No offense, Idaho. We love you. I think it's uh, right there in the middle. <laughs> just like the immense privilege of education, yeah, is, is driven home in such a way that I will never forget that book. I mean, it's wild. I feel like when you see the cover, you do not think that's what you're going to get. When you see, like, (laughs) educated, a memoir, you're like, okay, this is probably about somebody's rise to, like, you know, started at the bottom, now we're here. But we don't don't really know where that bottom is when we're getting We don't know the depths of the bottom (laughs) yet. We've never seen it. To say that my mom gifted this to me for Christmas, like, two years ago. And my mom loves to read, like, books that are about, like, real people overcoming obstacles and are very heartwarming. And that's, like, great for her, but that's never my vibe. I don't like to feel feelings. (laughs) So I neglected to read this for so long because I thought it was like one of those like we're overcoming the obstacles mm-hmm. and rising above but my mom has me nailed she knows what I like <laughs> this she was correct like this was a book for me like uh, I'm glad she like I she, don't doubt your mom is what I'm right. saying there you she go. knew she knew <laughs> So, yeah, that's what I got. Everyone should read this and, yeah, recognize what a privilege education just is for current day in America. Like, that, that, I think. Yeah. You don't have to cast back to the 1800s. It's here now in America. Mm -hmm. Well, now it's time to see what else we're going to be educating ourselves on by reading. Ah, Look at you. Look at you did. Uh, See what I did there. Great transition. All right, so who are we spinning for tonight? Is it Emily? It's Jane. Oh, it's oh, Jane. Okay. Well, I've, I think I have the wheel pulled up. Let's see. It landed on graphic novel. No. No, re-spin it. Okay. Yeah, we've done that too many times, man. I know, we really have. Twice. Two whole times. <laughs> Ooh, it landed on YA. Much better. Ew. I love this. You've got lots. Uh-huh. Let's see. Oh, wow. There's so many that I, like, have not <gasps> read. I love this. 
I am very interested in you reading Beauty Queens by Libba Bray because I love Libba Bray. And this one is supposed to be really funny. I started it like years ago and then like did that thing where I like put it down and didn't pick it back up again. Did you? I'm just curious. I could be wrong. Correct me. Did you start reading Libba Bray because I read Libba Bray and I was like, oh my God, you have to read Going Bovine. And then... Yeah. <laughs> going, bovine, going bovine was my love of Bray gateway drug and me too was, uh, amazing and I then she it. became an auto buy so like every time mm-hmm. I saw her books in the secondhand bookstore I just like picked them up love her them. I know nothing about that I mean the one I want her to read from this list is care of all but we can do that another day but that's because I've read it that's like the only one on <laughs> here I've read See, I have not read Beauty Queens. I've heard about it. I remember the cover vividly. I think the premise is that they like get shipwrecked on an island somehow, but the yeah, cover old, is like old. is like <laughs> girls in bikinis. You don't see their heads; you just see their bodies. So it's the right. bodies of girls in bikinis wearing like uh, the the bullet bandolier. Oh. You know, like when you have the guns and the bullets go across. And the also head. your Beauty Queen sash. Yeah, oh, so yeah. it's like the beauty queens, mm-hmm. but it's like bullets because like they go get on an island. Maybe they go feral. I can't yeah. quite remember. I, I'm vaguely. Oh, let's yeah. do it. Okay. <laughs> I vaguely remember uh, like somebody name dropping Lord of the Flies in there, oh, but it's like beauty queens. Cool. What's that fantastic movie? Oh my god! Now I'll never be able to remember it. It's with that girl, and then Kiali is the mom. She's drop the dead gorgeous. Mom. Drop dead gorgeous. <laughs> it's my love one it. of my favorite movies of all Such time. Such a good I movie. Love it so much. I haven't seen it in so long. All right. Well, I'm excited. So the mood will spun, and it is Beauty Queens by Libba Bray. So that will Yay. be exciting. It has been a wonderful time with you, mood readers, and my bestest companions, Emily uh-huh. and Jane. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sucking up. So you say. <laughs> I hope you have enjoyed being here with us. We have enjoyed being together forever. Bestest friends. <laughs> besties forever. Book club forever. And we will see you next time. Jane, Emily, and Nora would like to thank Benji for the theme music. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at mood.readers.podcast.